This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Heather Milam, Democratic nominee for Alabama Secretary of State. Thanks for coming on and congrats on making it to the general election. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, it's an exciting year, uh, not only for Alabama, but all across the country. There is an enormous amount of qualified uh, candidates running, and I'm just very honored to be one of them. So, well, I find Secretary of State elections very exciting. I'm not sure everyone considers them to be that sexy. Could you tell us about what the Secretary of State does and why this election matters so much? That is a great observation. So, Secretary of State um, is, I, I sort of sometimes jokingly say, although it's really not a joke, that the Secretary of State's office is important because it's the largest filing cabinet for the state of Alabama. And what do I mean that, by that? We house all the documents for our state. So business licenses come through the Secretary of State's uh, office. Um, applications uh, for nonprofits, um, candidates, campaign financing reports come through our office. But what most people understand the Secretary's office to do is manage the election system. So we house all of the election results. And that is why I think your listeners should be very aware of the races for Secretary of State in all of their respective states, because we are finding more and more that the integrity of our vote is critical, right? Not only for the foundation of democracy, but as we continue to see foreign agents um, try and compromise files and the voting systems that exist within all of our states, uh, it's more important than ever to elect a qualified um, secretaries of state and those with integrity who are ready to get to work. It's a very important job. Now, when I say a filing cabinet, most people don't get terribly excited, but when you realize what's housed in that uh, metaphorical filing cabinet, you understand the, the gravity of that office. Secretaries of state are very important when it comes to voting rights. Could you explain what your role would be in the voting system if you were elected? Sure. And so I think what we have to re remember is that a secretary of state does not create law. So here in Alabama, for things to change with the way we vote, like uh, the recent voter ID law that was passed a few years ago, the secretary of state does not make that happen. The secretary of state then implements the law that is on the books. But what the Secretary of State can and should be doing is working on behalf of all citizens, all voters of Alabama. And so the Secretary has an enormous amount of influence. And as Secretary of State, I should be working tirelessly with the legislature to help them understand things that work and things that don't work. And also, with that responsibility as Secretary of State, as the arbiter of the election system, you are 
the leader in that system and you have to not intimidate voters, but make sure that you are doing everything you can to empower and enfranchise all the voices across the state. I'm often amused that you'll find gubernatorial candidates using the Secretary of State office as a stepping stone to reach the governor's mansion. We're seeing that currently in Georgia and in Kansas, and we've seen it with past governors ourselves here in Alabama. But the office itself is just so critical to the viability of votes. I mean, we we have to make sure, we as the secretaries of state, we have to make sure that not only are the election systems running smoothly, but that the voter files uh, are intact and they are strengthened, that local governments have all the resources and education that they need to run effective elections. We need to be expanding and empowering access to our right to vote rather than whittling it away. And we're seeing this happen all across the country. As of late, in our neighboring state, Georgia, we're watching a county just south of Atlanta try to close nine precincts in a very poor county. We can't accept that. We, as secretaries, need to be working with these local governments, figuring out how not to close precincts, but to engage our voters, which is why I am pushing for two policies here with our legislature, one being automatic voter registration and the second being early voting. Both are being utilized in many states already, and I think that it would enfranchise far more voters here in our state. So Alabama has a very dark history of voter suppression, of attempting to suppress the black vote in particular. Very notably, Alabama was at the center of the biggest Supreme Court decision on voting rights of our time, Shelby County v. Holder, in which the Supreme Court dismantled part of the Voting Rights Act. Could you tell our listeners about that decision? I get I, it concerns me because the Voting Rights Act was put into place to ensure uh, fairness in elections, uh, that we didn't go back to the Jim Crow era of laws, that we didn't uh, institute poll taxes, and we didn't have um, literacy tests at the polls, that everyone had equal access to their vote. That the, the, the Voting Rights Act was necessary and needed to help begin to level the playing field with accessing our right to vote. My fear with gutting the Voting Rights Act, as we saw with Shelby versus Holder, is that not only did we see states take a sweeping change in the way that they were managing uh, votes and voters in their system, it happened here in Alabama. As soon as Shelby versus Holder was uh, ruled upon, the voter ID law, which was already queued up, was immediately passed by our legislature. Before then, we would have to appeal to the federal government, and the federal government would have to look at that and make sure that we weren't intentionally disenfranchising voters um, and marginalizing communities uh, and uh, mitigating their ability to access the right to vote. Now, states like Alabama and what we're seeing happen in Georgia we can make these sweeping decisions about voting rights um, without being held accountable. The assumption and my understanding of the ruling is that the Voting Rights Act has fixed racism, that the Voting Rights Act has fixed these problems and that they, that they don't exist any longer, except that we continue to see the problems persist. And someone said to me, you know, you can't sit around and just hope 
that things will get better. You have to get active. You have to make them happen. And I, that's what the Voting Rights Act did. And so gutting it is basically saying, well, everything is fixed, except that it's not, because we continue to see rules, laws being passed that go back to marginalizing communities just in different ways. Um, so I was not happy with that ruling. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm very sad that that is a, a ruling that started here in Alabama, just south of here from Birmingham. And uh, it's not a good representation that I like to see originating from our state. Um, we're not going to change that ruling tomorrow. But as Secretary of State, what I am tasked with is making sure that I do everything within the confines of my office to make sure that elections are fair and that they're working efficiently and that every vote counts and that we do as much as we possibly can to empower every voter here in the state of Alabama. Hey everyone, I'm Nathan. And I'm Dylan. And as you know, Millennial Politics is totally independent and volunteer run. That means every podcast you listen to, every article you read, and every tweet you see is created by a dedicated team of volunteers. It also means that we can say what we want to say when we want to say it, but we rely on listeners just like you to support our work. We hope you'll consider supporting us by subscribing at patreon.com slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. And if you subscribe at the ambassador level or more, we'll send you a free copy of How Our Government Really Works Despite What They Say. It's an award-winning book about the intricacies of American government, and you'll get to join our exclusive ambassador Slack channel and get to hang out with us all day, every day. I pretty much live there, so if that appeals to you, come join us. And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer, Greg Stevens, and our producers, Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia-Brown. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N politics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. It's not unlikely that if you're elected, you're going to end up working with a Republican legislature and a Republican governor. Now, you said you want to work with the legislature to protect voting rights. How would you do so if you are interacting with a legislature that is likely hostile to voting rights? So I think that's a great question. We have, let me, let me back up though and say that in Alabama, we have an incredible slate of Democratic candidates that are running this year. And so many of us are running for the first time and we're running on a platform of transparency and the fact that we're all, you know, we can do this job and do it well, just hire us to do it and let's get Alabama from being 45th, 49th, 50th and everything to something a little bit better. So I'm very hopeful with the candidates we have. With that said, it's entirely possible and probably likely that we'll continue to have a majority Republican representation there in Montgomery. And with the supermajority and the Republican legislature, both in the state Senate and in the state House, uh, we have watched them basically make it more difficult to, for, to vote. Um, and so I will have to work with them. What I'm hoping is that with this, uh, with the amount of Democratic candidates that we have running and with the amount of work that we're all doing to get elected, we will take away the supermajority in the Senate and the, and the House there in Montgomery, number one. Number two, I also know that if I'm pushing for policies, they have to be 
palatable to the legislators there, legislators there in Montgomery. Two things that I, two of the, one of the reasons that I am pushing early voting is because it's a fiscally responsible way to expand voting rights. When I speak to those in local governments, whether it's a probate office or registrar's office or circuit clerks, they would use less resources allowing early voting rather than cramming all the voting into a very short 12-hour period on a Tuesday. So to me, if I'm, I think that that's a financially, fiscally responsible thing to do as a state. Number two, and the reason I'm pushing the automatic voter registration is because the system is basically in place. We have the motor voter laws in place here in, this, in Alabama, like we do in much of the country. So the system that when you go and register up re, uh, driver's license information and you update your voter file, you basically would use the same system to automatically register 18-year-olds here in the state. So if you have a registered driver's license in the state, then at 18, you're automatically registered to vote rather than having to go down and register again. And I think that that would enfranchise a lot of our younger adults in Alabama, many of whom, and I have been told, simply don't know how to register. Um, but again, the systems are in place and they're to, to do the automatic voter registration and the early voting is a fiscally responsible thing to do while expanding voter rights. So I think that those are two things that we can all agree on in Montgomery. There are more aggressive and progressive things to do that I would love to see happen. Washington State, Colorado, Oregon, they mail every registered voter an absentee ballot, which I think is superb and wonderful. And you can mail that back in at your leisure and when it's convenient for you. I don't know if that's a easier thing for the legislators in Montgomery to get behind. But I think we have to be real about our progress here in the state of Alabama. And it's not going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen just in this midterm election. This is the beginning of what I hope to see many years of taking back our government and making our government work for us and not special interest and not ego. And so, you know, I, I think we have to be I think we have to be very rational in our hope about what we can accomplish because I don't think that we're going to go down there and change everything overnight. It's any, uh, you know, government system is, uh, is a big ship. And so we have to be very reasonable in what we're seeking. But I think that, uh, I think that we can, and I think we should, most importantly, work to uh, empower voters and as I continue to talk around the same topic, the automatic voter registration and early voting, I think, are two great things for the state of Alabama to do. So today we're recording on August 21st, though our listeners will be tuning in at a later date. And today marks the beginning of the nationwide prison strike. Now, one of the demands relates to voting rights, demand number 10. Quote, the voting rights of all confined citizens serving prison sentences, pretrial detainees, and so-called quote-unquote, ex-felons, must be counted, representation is demanded, all voices count. Would you agree with this? I do think voices count, yes. And I don't think that that is an unreasonable request. Here in the state of Alabama, last year, we finally signed into law the definition of what crimes of moral turpitude 
far. And before that, the definition of crimes of moral turpitude was left up to local governments. And so many people, based on the 1901 Constitution that we have still in place here in the state of Alabama, people all across the state were stripped of their right to vote because some local municipality or judge said, well, this is a crime of moral turpitude with no clear definition of what it was. And so when our governor, Kay Ivey, signed that bill into law and made clear what that definition was, there are estimates of tens of thousands of Alabamians gained their right to vote again. Uh, yet the Secretary of State should be working tirelessly to enfranchise these Alabamians. Yet we're not seeing that happen. And so we need a system that automatically registers those who gain their right to vote, whether it's when they turn 18 or they have served their time with their community. Um, it, their voices should absolutely be heard. And, you know, I, I, I just fail to see any argument to the contrary. And how can folks get involved in your campaign, and where can they find you online? Thank you for asking. Uh, the website is milumforsecretary.com. We, as any smart candidate is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, we post a lot of videos and more current data and content on our social platforms. So on all three platforms, we're just at milum4al and spell it all out, milum4al. Please follow us and stay in touch with us. I saw Stacey Abrams speak in Atlanta about two months ago, and she broke it down to a very simple platform. And she said, as candidates, we need three things. We need money, we need messaging, and we need mobilization. And so I would encourage all of your listeners to, to see if, if any one of those three things they can do, um, because I guarantee you we can all do at least one. We can either share this messaging on Facebook, we can share the messaging through Instagram, we can talk about it with our friends and family, especially your voters uh, who are listening who may be here in Alabama. Some may be uh, able to contribute money to campaigns. I tell uh, some of our supporters that even just a few dollars will help buy yard signs, and those things are very effective. So whether it's 3 4 $5, it all makes a difference. And then mobilization. If you're anywhere and you can get down to an office and do phone banking for a candidate, or you can knock on doors for a candidate, or you can go represent a candidate at a local picnic or a local football game, do that as well. It all makes a difference. And I'm very excited about this year. There are many of us who can and will win our races. I think that we're going to see a real shift uh, continue through the midterms. You know, I'm sure your listeners know last year, Alabama elected Doug Jones. Uh, to the Senate, which was not only very exciting for the state of Alabama, but for the world, it just reminded, I think, us on a global scale that the people's voices still matter. And, you know, we watched an incredible election take place in Virginia last year where we saw just some incredible women get elected. We saw Danica Rome be elected to um, the state legislature there in Virginia, which was the first transgendered woman to do so. I mean, we are making enormous strides. And I am just so hopeful about what the midterms are going to reveal and beyond that. And, uh, and then if there's anything else I can say, I would also encourage your listeners to think about running for office. Because I, I remind people, when we vote someone into office, we hire them to do a job. 
and they are now our public servants. And let's remind our elected officials that that is who they serve, is you, and it's me. And so if you ever are, you know, uh, encouraged or motivated to get involved, go ahead and run for office. I mean, this is what the government is. Again, it's you, and it's me, and it should never be special interest, and it should never be serving an ego or some, you know, political gain. It should just be serving the people, which kind of full circle ties back to why I think the Secretary of State's office is so important because it comes down to our votes. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And we hope to have you again after you win the election in November. Well, thank you, Jordan. It's been a really great time. I, I'm grateful for what you do. Now to our listeners, make sure to follow Millennial Politics on social media. Support us through our Patreon Check out our website, millennialpolitics.co, and stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening.